Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new episode of Audio Signals. Get ready to take a journey into the known, the unknown, and everything in between. Recorded at no specific point in time nor space, ITSP Magazine's co-founders Marco Cipelli and Sean Martin follow their passion and curiosity as they venture away from the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society to discover new stories worth being told. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Well, I feel like, uh, Sean, we already started recording a while back, but we didn't actually push the button, but we could have captured some piece of that conversation. And uh, let, let's get it started properly. This is Marco Cipelli, Audio Signals. This is the podcast we are on today, which means we don't need to talk technology and society, but I have a feeling we will touch on that because uh, I can't escape this, <laughs> this curse of talking about technology and society, no matter what it is. But uh, I think this is going to be a great conversation. Um, we're here with Sean uh, Turi today. He's a photographer, but he was uh, something else before that. And it sounds to me that he has a very interesting uh, story to share and a lot of passion. And I feel like from the little that we talked before we start recording, some of those are very similar. We both love technology, creative art, and uh, we realized that uh, we can't live without it, but we can probably live better with it <laughs> if we do it in the right way. So enough about me. Uh, Sean, uh, introduce yourself, please, to our audience. And then we just have a nice conversation about whatever it is. Sure. So I'm Sean Turry, as Marco mentioned, and um, I'm a photographer that by trade, I have a studio in New York City. And uh, more recently, I've expanded and started my uh, a YouTube channel and uh, podcast with individuals that I've worked with, um, just based on some of the truly fascinating individuals I've uh, I've been able to uh, learn from and work with in the studio, and uh, and also just start diving into some really interesting questions that when I'm not working, I'm normally down the rabbit hole searching. So. Now I'm sort of combining my area of expertise with some of these questions, utilizing some of the latest technology now, now more than ever, and uh, and we'll see where it, where it takes me. Well, you know, I think uh, one of the quote that I use the most in my life, it's the only constant is change. So we need to stay open-minded and, you know, follow, follow your passion. I mean, I kind of doing the same thing. I wouldn't, you ask me, Years ago, if I was going to start doing a podcast, I probably said, I don't know, probably not. But then, you know, it happened. I'm loving it. And uh, and I'm taking advantage of technology. And I talk about technology quite a bit. Uh, one thing that I was curious, um, and maybe we can start there. How, how did you go from being a photographer to having a, a YouTube video that, from what I've seen, you actually talk about ufo yeah <laughs> quite a bit yeah. and and you kind of uh figure out if technology it's uh, cheating us or if it actually it's something that it could be a real image and you use as you said 
the latest technology to to figure out what technology is doing. So how is that a passion that you had since when you were a kid and, and you finally got to the point to to cultivate it more? I would say anything space related has pr- pr- always been something I'm interested in. And actually, before I even knew I wanted to be a photographer, I was taking pictures of um, uh, stars and planets um, with a point and shoot camera. And this was before I had any photographer. Um, and then I, I got into photography, but my business is more portrait and it's people. Like if you want to ask what I specialize in, I specialize in working with people. Um, so mostly portrait work. And then um, as I've had my career now for 15 years, I'm starting to circle back and utilize some of my skill set as a photographer and applying it to some of these things that I'm interested in. One of those are UFOs or UAPs. If you don't find these like now more than ever, really interesting or thought provoking, I don't know what will. Um, and so I'm, I'm now sort of analyzing some of the, the footage and photos that we see online and applying some of my, my skill set and reviewing and analyzing the images. And there's a bunch of different ways you can do this. And now there's even some AI tools that I was using uh, in conjunction with reviewing these images. But it's very difficult and it's becoming increasingly difficult or I would say almost impossible to have a hard stamp on it and say, this is real, unless you have the original raw file or negative. It's very difficult, but there's a lot of sloppy editing that you can catch if you have the right eye. Yeah. And there's a lot of, and obviously a lot of fakes. Right. So now I'm going to bite my tongue because I could make these all about fake and AI and chat GTP and how to use technology to find out what technology is doing and and almost like the only cure for more technology is more technology but <laughs> we don't know about that but i'm more curious from from an artistic perspective and from a, a cultural perspective so my first question that come in my mind is is this interest that pop more you know up let's say on the surface due to that uh, uh declassification that was done a few months ago, I believe, from the U.S. government about all the UFO images and and, and reports that they were having. It, I, I'm not an expert in that, but I'm, I remember something happening there. Yeah, and I, and I wouldn't call myself an expert either, but uh, um, that's part of it. It's it's becoming more and more plausible that it's something, and that's interesting. That's what's interesting to me. It's no longer. Farmer Joe from Kansas spotting bright lights. I mean, there's, you know, classified, confirmed military footage. We have naval pilots, reputable naval pilots, a lot of military guys coming out. Um, There's a lot of reputable sources. And if you start spider webbing and connecting all these dots, and there's a ton of documentaries now on this, there's a lot of, um, there's a common theme with what's being found or seen. And so that is very interesting. Um, and you could really start tying this stuff to go, you know, you could go down the rabbit of like tying it to the pyramids and going way back and all that. But um, it's, it, it makes you, it's, it's becoming more and more real. Now, whether it's um, local, uh, you know, black op project stuff, or is, is it some, someone visiting for an, from another planet? 
I mean, that's up for debate, but it's uh, based on my research, I'm starting to form a position though. I did just watch another documentary by this guy. I think it's, it's James Fox um, about um, an alien sighting in, in Brazil, Virginia, Brazil. And that it, it, like, you almost have to, I, you can't make it up. Like clearly something was seen. Like this is a, an alien encounter by like a whole town. Hardcore covered up. Like there's too many people, that, eyewitnesses and people that are part of this. So that threw a fork in my position because after doing these YouTube videos, my position actually shifted more towards, I think most of these are black op projects. But then you have, you know, documentaries like um, uh, James Fox put out, uh, I believe that's his name. And it's, it throws a wrench in it because that is very believable. Um, and I'm not trying to believe it. You know, I, when I do these videos, I try to stay factually based. You can only go by the information and try to stay unbiased, but some of it really, the one, 1% of it or half a percent of it really makes your head scratch your head. The aerial school that I did a video on, um, in Africa, Zimbabwe, Africa, usually over 60 kids are saying this all the same thing at a young age. They all drew the same thing. They're analyzed by psychiatrists. What is that? I mean, can, can yeah. is that just collective lying? I I, I don't know, but um, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I'm wondering the same thing. But what I'm also understanding is that apart from what you believe in terms of a you know alien search in space, and do are they visiting us? I mean, we have a show called Stories from Space on ITSP Magazine, and. Uh, Matt uh, Williams is a, a, a journalist, uh, an astronomer journalist, and he actually went all over the different hypotheses, you know, from Fermi to are we alone in the universe to the 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 the, the zoo um, hypothesis, where yeah, there are people there, but they're actually looking at us. It's not us looking at them. So right. really interesting. But what I'm actually understanding is that your interest is. It's insane. Okay, these images is is real. Now, is that a UFO or it is a some kind of advanced technology used here? That's that's a different story. You're, you're more yeah. into studying the image itself. So yeah, so here here's my approach. Um, I'll try. We'll we'll narrow down. I have a small team that I work with that I put together doing these videos, and so we'll narrow it down to the most plausible video and imagery so i'm not just taking any random we'll try to get the ones that are more plausible and then from there i'll see what what unique perspective i can offer as a photographer opposed to me just talking about ufo photos mm -hmm. so the the i'm um, cherry picking this the videos or the images based on what i think i can offer as a unique perspective to the image um, and of course, once you put it out there, you're challenged and called an idiot by the whole, uh, UFO community. And, you know, you, you get half of them and then the other half are, uh, insulting what you're wearing in your video. And, you know, they, uh, <laughs> give you all the side comments, but, um, so that, that's my approach. Like, I, I don't want to just, I'm trying to pick topics and images that I feel like I can offer a unique perspective on. Um, so we'll review the images and see if I can what I can detect about these um, that may not have been mentioned before. Is there some 
particular one that's really stuck more in in like in your head or you, I don't know you had better feedback and I with you I mean when you put yourself out there on social media get ready for for everything the yeah. good and the bad but for you personally you know something that you're like you know I I really got something important here that this is a, a turning point in the way that I'm actually going to look at the next image the next video the next footage so you know, kind of like an Eureka moment or something that you want to share with us? You know, that's that's a good question because the, the, the ones that are jumping out to me most, there's no images associated with, which, you know, makes mm. you question your own judgment. But the aerial school and this last one, this last documentary I watched, there are no released images, but the story is overwhelmingly believable based on the amount of people involved seeing the same thing um like corroborating the same story um but but all these and i don't know if it's ironic that these images have been pulled you know it's like you know do are there higher ups that are pulling all the images and cl clean sweeping all the data on these i don't know there's um one video i did or uh two videos back and i forget which one it was in costa rica and it's it's i would say very questionable in terms of it being um real like it's definitely something in, an artifact in the image and there's been scientific studies and you've you know you've had people doing the calculations on the the speed and the direction and it's a very believable image um but i would say the most believable topics that i've come across in the ufo or the uap realm so far um there's no tangible evidence behind it other than the eyewitnesses and the um from across the board from civilians to military well, it, from a technical, let's talk about the medium, right? I mean, photography, videos, which is just a lot of photography together, <laughs> if you want to yeah. simplify that. Yep, yep. Uh, but nowadays, and I go back into kind of like technology and society, we're all walking around with very powerful camera. I mean, I have friends, photographer that said to me, you know, our iPhone 14, it's I call it a camera with a phone. It's not really a phone anymore. And it's also, you know, it's a dictionary, a search engine, and everything possible app you have on there. But the fact that we all have this, it helps to uncover a lot of things you know, in society. I mean, without going pol political, things that maybe have always happened, but now we actually see them. But then there is people that are using now artificial intelligence to even deny the fact that they did say something like, no, nope, that's fake. It's kind of like it become a coverage. So I would love your perspective on this is, first of all, the technology part, is it easier to fake a video or easier to fake an image, a static image? Um, I think I know the answer, but I would love your opinion and why. And also, why don't we even have even more reports now? And and it's curious, I'm asking you this, because you said the one that you think are more believable are the one without the footage, which kind of make me think. Right. Yeah. So, so I know it's a lot together, but, you know, just let's so just chat about that. I would say well, well, video is always more complex because there's just move, more components involved in video. So I would say video would be harder to fake. Um, cause you, well, you're essentially grabbing a still, let's say if we're doing a photo, it's a bit easier to fake that because you're working with a frozen moment in time. 
Um, once you get into video, you've got camera movement, lighting direction can change. Then you could like wind direction could change, lighting, all these other elements um, need to be accounted for when you're faking something and you have to get it all just right. And many times, if you don't get it just right, your eye will detect it. You might not be able to put your finger on it, but you can see that something is a little off. Um, so I would say video is definitely harder to, to fake. Um, AI, like it's going to be indistinguishable if it's not already. I just, I just used a site just playing around to recreate my voice for free. Mm, yep. You do five minute sample and my voice is done. I can have it do, give me a voicemail. I could use it however I want. Then there's now you're doing there's sites now with uh, AI and your avatar. So you pair that your AI voice, your AI avatar. I mean, this is so new, but it's already, ha it, it's already in the works. You're and then you have the deep fakes, the deep fake videos, which, you know, those are more high end professionals creating these, but those are getting pretty darn good like really good. And once that's consumer level soon enough, that'll just be an app if it's allowed. And then well, you know, can we distinguish that be a spot of fake or a real? No way. It'll be too good. And, and, and it's just about there already. But once we, we can actually start going and creating ourselves or other people and it'll be indistinguishable, you know, unless you have the original file, which probably with probably like the metadata baked into it, but all you need to do is like pull it, download it, re-export it, and it loses all the information. And then how do you distinguish what's what's real or what's not real i mean it's like that's going to happen really really fast i mean in the next five years there'll be a very very different climate that we work in and how we interact how we look up data it's, it's it'll change everything how we how we approach our jobs how we do our jobs yeah it, that is a, a very i would say exciting curve that we're we're about to step into i mean it's already happening with we all know chat gpt but mm -hmm. um like just wait to the applications and then there's you know there's quantum computers which is going to be like another evolution of computers where we can start doing do um answering like really big questions and doing scientific data research without doing lab experiments and that'll this is going to happen they're the everyone's racing towards this i mean it's very clear now that AI can be monetized and that people are interested in it. So now we have all the big players racing towards this. Um, so with image fakering, faking, it'll be indistinguishable, you, no matter how good I am, because the AI is going to be able to take all of these factors, the lighting, the, the, the time of day, elevation, all these things that we have to think about critically. It'll just be in one, one calculation output and it'll be all accounted for. And like you could have me or another person be very, very difficult or impossible to detect what's real and what's fake. Well, I haven't personally played much with the voice, although I, I, it's on my list of things to do. Um, the avatar, I played a lot with chat GPT and I actually use, I use, it. I, use this, I use these tools all the time now. I use yeah. them all the time, every day. Yeah. So, and I, I love it. I'm with you. I mean, I, I like it. I think right now even if you use the the four version uh it's uh 
It's still a mediocre writer, in my opinion. It's great to play with it. It gives you some inputs if you're writing creatively. I think if you're doing a report, it's a different story. But what you told me, it kind of made me really process something I didn't think about. Because when sisters saying all the variables that you were talking about, and I play with Dali, for example, you know, mm -hmm. giving an input and you come out with an image. But this video, the fact that you could go there and say, Give me a video filmed at 6.30 in the morning uh, in Anchorage, Alaska on this day. And it can actually go and really literally see what the weather was, what the lighting was, and create and put a freaking, you know, saucer in the sky <laughs> or whatever, or a person in the street or a political person having a meeting with someone else. It is mind blowing it's mind blowing I mean, it, kind of scary it, and so <laughs> how i've been looking at it is yeah and if you combine that like we do it with the youtube thumbnails you combine ai art with good photoshop skills like what you can create and what l small amount of time is uh, whatever your the only limitation is are your own thoughts and you can do it quickly the only limitation, the, what it can't do great yet, and this, and I'm testing the boundaries with this, are um, realistic, like photorealistic humans. Because I think for me, the next evolution will be not come to my studio. And I saw one company in India is doing this, but it's, it's, a, it's pretty hacky right now. The next evolution from what I do will be, hey, Send me 10 photos, different angles of your face. I put it into the AI and I can recreate you in any wardrobe, expression, and lighting and background, of course. And so there's no reason to, for you to come to the studio. And the next evolution will be like, well, give me your product. We just need cell phone shots. And then we can recreate it in any setting. It's all AI. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think a lot of photographers would challenge me on my position with this. But um, so I'm chomping at the bit to see when that's going to happen because I'll be all over that. Because for me, how I view it, it's all about the end result. So how we get there, I, I don't, I, I don't have a, an ego or an, an emotional attachment to how we get to the end result. Well, you're going to come back even if we're not done yet. But I'm taking notes. We're touching a lot of things <laughs> that I want to go deeper into. Right now, oh. I want to actually stick on that because you are a, a a photographer. You've been actually in the in the fashion industry, if I understand, for for a while before doing that. So you you know the creative world. Now we both know that a lot of issue with generative artificial intelligence is the copywriting. So you know, mm -hmm. you just sweep around campion campions of music uh, images. From you know a Picasso to a Da Vinci to one of your picture, for example. So, who owns what? I mean, writers are on strike right now because if it's started by AI, then I come in and I make it better. Who owns the concept, the idea? I mean, I understand all of that, but mm. you are actually excited talking about this. You're telling me somebody can send you the the ten photo shot and you're make. I mean not Photoshop, photos, and then you're going to make the amazing creative fashion shot, I'm imagining. Right. So help me to understand 
why you think that way and why a lot of other photographers are freaking out about that. Is it like a different view on what it means to create, what it means to take a it's photo? A I mean, do you need to be there and shot it, like, you know, in the street? It, or, I mean, you're telling me, no, it's, if you're like a digital creator, literally digitally creating an yeah, image literally many do video games and and all that kind of stuff i mean for me they're still artists so i'm with you but it's a different angle so for sure can you elaborate, I, I think i would be challenged yeah i think i would be challenged by a lot of artists with with my position with that but i never it, that's going to happen it's like digital going from film to digital photography it's happening, baby. So either you're going to get on board or the train keeps moving. Okay. So that's yeah. just, that's just reality check. Okay. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, I love the intro. I, um, I love technology. I love all the new, the new gear that comes out. How can we utilize it? I don't see those as roadblocks personally. If I, okay. So you could flip me and say, well, Hey, Sean, what if someone is saying making money off of Images that look like Sean Turry photography, right? Like portraits in, in the style of Sean. And they're making money off my images. What's my position? My position is free marketing. That's, that'll give my um, style to more people. I'll go out and create something even cooler and more unique. Brand that and I'll be on the tip of the spear while I get all this marketing around me with people using my style. That's my position. Like... Mm. The rest of it's, in my opinion, if you want me to be like uh, brutally honest, it's all excuses. You're, you, these are, you, you are making excuses why you can't uh, continue to succeed at what you're doing. So you can sit there and, and um, um, complain about these things or you can become creative and utilize it as a tool to move forward. Uh, so that, that's my position with it. And, you know, coupled with, I'm deeply fascinated, fascinated by all of this. And I do see, I'm very excited about like when they can, when the AI can do get there, like I use mid journey. Um, mm -hmm. And I've already seen a difference in the last, you know, four or five months. Um, when it gets there, I'll be the first in line to start testing these concepts out. Right now we can use it for mood board shots, but um, it still looks like a CGI human. But I think there's incredible potential with that. And, and, and for the consumer, it's going to drive the cost down. You don't need to spend $800, $1,500 on a photo shoot. You can, you know, send your snapshots over and we can create something for a fraction of the price. Faster turnaround, more customizable. For, like there's so for much opportunity audience, and benefit to it. Can, can you explain in, in short what an app like Meet Journey does? So... You mentioned yes. you can do like some storyboards, some, you know, sketching, but how do you use it? And what is the potential that you're talking about? Like, where do you see it going? So, so that people can understand and maybe get fascinated by it and go and try it. Because a lot of people are criticizing this without even oh. trying it. <laughs> and you that pissed me off. Oh, man. <laughs> Everyone. It's free, it's free to try. Mid-journey or Dolly. Dolly is a little bit easier to use. Yeah, definitely easier GPT, to use. GPT, yeah. GPT. You have to try these tools so you can feel it's like putting on virtu a virtual reality headset, which is another thing I use um, mm. in my workflow. It's like putting on a virtual reality head for the first time. It kind of blows your mind on like you go, wow, you get a glimpse of the future. And so 
uh, mid journey or, or these, these AI art programs, essentially you're creating images with text and right now, and you can create anything under the sun. You could say Santa Claus wearing a bikini, um, on the, on, you know, on, on South beach and it'll create that. Um, so how I'm using it right now is creating mood boards for clients. So what I'll do is I'll get an image of my client. I'll describe the client. So I have a, the seat. So the AI creates an image roughly of uh, the look of the client. And then from there, I'll create the lighting. You know, I'll set the mood um, with the text and how I want the image to look. And let's say I'll create four different samples. You know, if there's a blonde haired, blue eyed client I have, I'll put in the description green background, um, one with a light blue background, one with uh, three quarter lighting. And we'll create these options so the client can see them like loosely see how this lighting would look on them. So that's how I'm using it right now. Um, but it'll get better to where it just looks like the client. I've, I've played around with it and I've, with my own images and it's, um, it's not, I, I couldn't charge anyone for, for the, the output just yet. So I, I started as a, as a copywriter when I was still studying um, in an ad agency. And this was a long time ago. I mean, we were still doing storyboard. I, when I started my first advertising agency in Italy, a boutique one, I spent night in the printing press to do brochure. And, you know, <laughs> the internet was, yep. it was cool. But, you know, I mean, I'm talking about I, I finished my, uh, my college was 96. So... You know, I date myself, but that's that's where I am. So I have this experience with the analog and and the digital, and I love it. I mean, if you look behind me, you can see the record, you know, vinyl. I love that, but I listen to most of my music digital, you know, with the right. surrounding stuff. So my point is, I don't think there is anything bad or better than the other. It's I, I think it's both art, and if your art is to use to go back to photography, a camera that is an old school L-shaped Leica with a mirror, and you want to take all the shots like that on film, which is what a lot of people are doing nowadays, that's mm. cool. But I think that what you're describing, for me, it's, it's as art as the other one, right? It's like, what do you play? A synthesizer or a violin? Well, I think right. you're both an artist, just different. So, you know, well, and I guess that's a good question to start with is what's the definition of art? Because, you know, it's not one for, I think there's a lot of uh, feelings and um, ego involved when one finds their art and the style or approach to it begins to change. Um, Cause there's, and if you do art correctly, there's a mass, it's a, there's a huge emotional, and personal investment in it. Your art is you. You are one with that. So when that changes, that's a big personal hit. And many times um, you, uh, you, you know, a lot of people react differently to change and many times it's resisted. But if you learn to adapt, oh, there's a great book on this too, by Mark, Mark Rubin, Rick Rubin, who's the producer? Um, Rick Rubin. If you learn to adapt with it, um, it's a tool. It's all art. It's all creativity. It comes in all different facets and you can merge them too. It doesn't have to be one replaces the other. It's, you know, life is not in the black and white. 
So you can use these things as tools, see it as options, but um, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. So whether you choose to resist it or not is another thing. I'd be so curious. I don't, I would be a separate conversation, but you, your trade as a copywriter, I mean, you are a prime candidate to be hating chat GPT, Jasper, all these AI writing tools. I'd be so curious to know you, what your opinion is with, with all of this. Especially with the uh, the the union right now on strike, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I mentioned that. I mean, I I understand the copyright issue, and I love how you now you're hosting, and I'm the guest. So uh, <laughs> the answer <laughs> for Sorry. me, it's no, no, no. I love that. The answer for me is the same that you gave. Meaning, it's a challenge, and 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 you can use it as a tool. And not to see it as it's going to take my job, not that my job now it's writing copywriting anymore, but I'm still like, you know, writing. But I'm very happy to have chat GPT write the summary for this episode, give me a cool title, but I ask for five, maybe I merge them together, right? Maybe I word it in a way that it's going to actually give me a good result. I'm not just going to say, listen to this and give me a summary. I'm going to say, highlight this, invite the listener to think about this. So when I get it, it's almost like, you know, I have my input in it, which is what you described about um, the mid journey. Like you're not just saying, Hey, give me something cool. Well, that's, that's cheating. Right. But being right. A, an art director, and say, look, this is my vision. You can tell this to a photographer or a videographer or an actor, or you can tell it to a, an artificial intelligence for what I'm concerned. But the result does come from your creative input because that's one thing that, at least now, generative AI cannot give you is that emotional creativity that you need to bring into the tool. So and I, I that's think my answer. At least, <laughs> I, I, you know, you're one of the few that I've heard. Maybe the only one that I've I've heard is open minded to it from the writer's circle, um, which is really cool to hear. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head with it. it it's at least right now, it's not. Uh, it won't do everything for you. It's still, if you read the copy and the content that comes from it, it's quite flat. I don't know if that's because they monitor and put a lot of regulations behind it. But the content's flat. There is no, uh, there's no life there's behind no a lot of what it outputs. Yeah. There's no emotions. So that has to come from um, the human, right now at least. Um, and uh, but I think I think I think humans will always have their special place. Um, I think so. And we you know there's something that you know that is unique that all of us have to offer, which is also why I think we all are artists in some sense even though some may not consider themselves an artist, we all have something unique and special that we can offer the world from our own unique perspective. And what channel you put that down is uh, different for everyone. I kind of want to, I kind of want to finish with this. I thought it was very inspiring what you said. I, I love it. And uh, honestly, I think we went into a lot of different places with this conversation, but I, I'm not kidding. I mean, I would love to go deeper in some of the things that you do and and even look at some of other perspective in, in terms of, you know, copyright. Because uh, another thing that, yeah, it's beautiful 
from a writer perspective or an artist perspective, but when where you don't get paid for what you do, then I can I can see what you know the reason why the writers are striking right it's now, a- or or why a lot of the creative community is worried about this. Yep. Yeah. I, it, it's it's under it's an understandable concern when it's your your income. Um, but I, but, um, yeah, that's a whole, I guess, a separate conversation. I've had that. We should have it though. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, do you want me to have it now or later? (laughs) No, I think now we close it. We are 35 minutes, but I think we, we leave uh, our audience with a, with a follow up that will come and we'll talk more about this, uh, this, uh, you know, maybe making, making money with your art. That's, uh, that may be the title of (laughs) Of, uh, cool. of the episode, right and i you know that's a whole other thing to talk about and, and yeah. hopefully uh apple drops their vr headset by the time we speak and i can talk about you know that's a whole lot the vr stuff is a whole other tech spectrum i could get into but yeah i'm uh, I'm, I'm happy exciting. to talk about that too cool sean thank you so much for your time um it, a lot to think about and i'm gonna finish and close the episode with what i always say so if the audience it's leaving this conversation with a lot more questions then when it started, we did a good job. I, I don't try to give answers, but if I make people think and you definitely help me with that, I think we had a, a good conversation and a good episode. Um, please share with us um, any resources that you want to point out. I'll put it in the notes for the episode. And of course, for everybody listening, there will be uh, links to Sean's website and to Sean's social media and to get in touch with him and uh, follow us share it if you enjoyed it Sean thank you very much thanks again Margo we hope you enjoyed this episode of Audio Signals if you learned something new and this podcast made you think then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends family and colleagues if you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society, and some even beyond that.